Welcome to the Uncounseling Show with Dr. Fed Bowley. Each week, the good doctor takes a skeptical, Catholic look at conventional counseling and why it often doesn't work. Dr. Fred has more than 30 years of experience as a counselor and spiritual advisor. He is currently associated with the nonprofit St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, a partner of the Four Persons Podcast. Their counseling is highly effective for several reasons. First, they operate from a thoroughly Aristotle-Eantonius perspective. This not only is highly effective at driving change, it also has a much happier set of goals than many other theories of counseling. Secondly, they ruthlessly promote selfless love for their clients. Counseling is not an ordinary friendship, but it is friendship nonetheless. St. Barnabas works zealously to love their clients and to communicate that love effectively. Third, they are action-oriented. Some people need patient understanding, but most people who seek counseling want to feel better and the faster the better. Therefore, St. Barn works continuously to refine methods that help people start living more happily now, not next week or next year. Finally, they are thoroughly Catholic and Christian. They do not insist their clients are Catholic and they do not judge souls, but the Catholic approach is kindly, beautiful, and dignified. St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries specializes in counseling, life coaching, and mediation. For more information, please visit their website at stbarn.org. You can email them at stbarn at protonmail.com or call them at 872-269-1280. For questions or comments about this show, email us at email at thefourpersons.com. And now, therapist, spiritual advisor, and legend in his own mind, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Fred Bowley. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Uncounseling, a uh, show where we look critically at the state of modern counseling and psychotherapy from a Catholic point of view. I'm Dr. Fred Boley, OP. Uh, I'm your host every week on the Uncounseling Show. And in a moment, we hope to be joined by our very special guest who will, as usual, uh, provide a critical look at the critical look. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about counseling itself. Why doesn't counseling work? Um, It often does in some sense. I mean, a lot of people feel like they get a lot of good out of counseling, but in some important senses, it doesn't work. So we're going to be talking about one aspect of why um, that might be. And what I would like to say today is counseling doesn't work because there is not conversion involved. Now, that is a little bit of anathema for a lot of people. Um, is Is the... counselor supposed to convert the client surely that would be a totally horrible thing to do Um, and there are several reasons why uh, if we consider carefully the terms that we're using that is not horrible at all in fact it's the first job of every catholic christian counselor Um, so um, i will start first by thinking about conversion itself what is conversion For a lot of people, conversion means only one thing. You change your religion. In fact, there's a lot more to conversion than that. Uh, You will see, if you think carefully um, uh, about your life, 
um, especially if you're a convert, as I am. Uh, I came into the Catholic faith a few years ago, but my road was a long one. And as I look back on it, I think I understand it a little bit better. You know, I understand what was going on in the various phases of my life and why God brought certain things into my life at certain times to allow me to turn ever so slightly, persistently, towards God. And uh, don't get me wrong, because I've had many, many times when I've turned away. Um, But the point is that uh, God is at work in our lives if we will allow him to be. And for a particular person, such as myself, um, 20 years old, an undergraduate at University of Michigan, had no idea about the Catholic faith, really didn't understand it at all, and believed many things about it that, that are, in fact, incorrect. Um, but God led me to uh, to find a particular book in a bookstore. I'm sure I was procrastinating, not doing my work as I should have been doing. But uh, I found a particular book called uh, Ten Philosophical Mistakes by a guy called Mortimer Adler from the University of Chicago. Great guy, uh, another convert to the Catholic faith. But he was talking in this book about philosophy rather than religion. And uh, it was it was tough going for me. It's the first thing I'd ever read about philosophy, but it really opened my mind to a new way of looking at things. And one of the things he said at the end is, if you like this uh, and if you're interested to learn more, then go read Thomas Aquinas. Well, Thomas Aquinas is not easy to read. Uh, as anyone, if anyone has ever tried, you will know that it's uh, it's a little bit strange to modern eyes, uh, to the modern mind. He, he structures things differently, especially in the Summa, his, very, his couple of Summas. Um, let me see. I think we might have our special guest. But, uh, <laughs> slow, okay. She will be here. But she's having trouble getting signed on. No worries. Um, so it was a long struggle for me. But God brought Mortimer Adler into my life because he wanted me to open my eyes to the possibility that he's revealed in nature as well as in uh, direct revelation. And I began to understand the way the structure of reality leads us ultimately to God if we are uh, faithful to keep looking. And indeed, uh, I feel I was led ever closer to God with fits and starts, three steps forward, two steps back. I was not able to be a very good student at all for a long time. And when I was able to be a mediocre student, I was able to read more and I progressed in my understanding, although it still isn't great to this day, but uh, my understanding of Thomas Aquinas. So conversion, um, it means to uh, turn your mind, right? Because I was uh, beginning to think uh, (laughs) differently all the time that I was, Uh, trying to understand, and uh, I'm trying to get the technology to work as I speak. So, Deb, are you able to get on to the the show, or is that uh, not working? One minute, okay. Let me look at our dashboard. She's going to be joining. Of course, as you know, as usual, our special guest is uh, Deb Rojas, Catholic counselor, uh, mother, and uh, church musician liturgist. So um, I was speaking about conversion being a changing of the mind. Part of it is to see what reality is a little bit more closely all the time. 
But secondarily, of course, uh, conversion needs to be a conversion of the heart. So in other words, what is it that you really uh, value and what are you going for? If you are seeking more of yourself, then uh, ultimately you will be unhappy. Um, but again, part of turning to God is not only changing your understanding of yourself and the world, but also changing what you value, you know, what you love. Um, are you hearing me, Deb? I am. Deb's Hello, here. Good. Welcome. Good to have Welcome. you. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to, good you to see you. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Good. I'm home, so you might hear my, my dog barking in the background today. Excellent. I'm sure it will be a, an advantage over my usual uh, babbling. Um, uh, so, Deb, I was talking about conversion. The reason yeah. counseling doesn't work, uh, some of the time at least, is because there's no conversion involved in the counseling. And mm -hmm. uh, if you are a part of professional counseling, you'll know that that sounds like anathema. Why would that be anathema for normal so-called secular counselors? Why are people hesitant to talk about conversion and counseling? Well, conversion has a very spiritual origin. Mm -hmm. And um, and often, like if you think about cognitive behavioral therapy, your favorite. Mm -hmm. Of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has more of a, well, let's change your thinking approach and your behavior approach. Mm -hmm. Because those are the, the ways that we're going to really effect immediate change. Mm -hmm. And um, and it, it only goes to a certain level. Right. Well, that would be cognitive behavioral therapy done poorly. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um you have to deal with emotions in CBT. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, Albert Ellis really is a cognitive therapist, a theorist, but he called his R-E-E-T because of the mm -hmm. emotions. You have to. I mean, it's just impossible yeah. to do very much good if you're not connecting with someone on that emotional level. Mm -hmm. And I would go further than that, that um, I can think something, right? Because we're all thinking out loud. In other words, we're talking to ourselves in our heads. Mm-hmm. But behind that or below that, on an unconscious level, there are many thoughts that are not expressed and often mm -hmm. are not uh, available to, to access at all. Right. People don't realize that they think something until something brings that unexpressed thought, assumption, or belief, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. into consciousness. So you can do cognitive behavioral therapy on a real basic symptom level, but I don't think that's very mm -hmm. good therapy. Honestly, I, I I would think I think I believe that you have to access those deeper beliefs. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. You have to look for. <clears throat> excuse me, Deb. You have to look for real change at that level. Mm -hmm. How would you talk about that from the um, internal family systems approach? Well, before I, before I answer that question, I wanted to respond to something you said about. Um, you know, emotions needing to connect with others. Mm -hmm. uh, we also, even before that, need to in emotionally connect with ourselves. That's a really interesting thing to say. Now, what does that mean? For, for a dude, that's just like gobbledy gobble speaking Greek. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, if that, even were true, if that were true, I would be a dude. <laughs> so it's hard for you, too. 
it is. It's hard for me too. Um, it's much easier to buy, try to bypass emotion uh-huh. and, and try to work more from just a, like a stoic, like a, a pseudo stoic kind of existence point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the, you know, the, what makes logical sense and stick with the virtue aspect and, and pursue things from this kind of quote, higher plane. So why would, why would people want to avoid the emotional side of things? Well, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, it's, it's really a very difficult place to go. Emotions? Emotions. Yeah. Emotions are a difficult place to go. It's so when you say we, it's difficult, don't you really mean that it's like emotionally painful to go into the emotions? Painful, scary. Okay. Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. where doing it with a counselor becomes a lot um, a lot easier because then it's like mm-hmm. I'm going to access this place in myself that I'm actually afraid of mm-hmm. because my anger is so great. I really don't want to like even open that door. Right. You know, but the anger is there and it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's part of, it's part of the story of one's life. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, for usually for like an injustice has taken place. There's something that's, that's, that's happened within that course, you know, but um, that is, Anger is an emotion that men can identify with fairly easily mm-hmm. right. and also allow that so they're okay with expressing. Right, right. Yeah, no dude likes to cry in public, right? I mean, mm-hmm. no real dude. Mm-hmm. Um, or to real be men mad, cry, one or the other. <laughs> um, <laughs> ignoring that question. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's much more com- <laughs> much more comfortable issue then. Much more comfortable to feel mad. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree with that. But I also think that your thoughts about your feelings mm-hmm. are what is often uncomfortable, right? What does mm-hmm. it mean to you if you um, are mad about a lot of stuff, or if your resting anger level is really high, right? What does that mean? Or what might that mean about your past or your family or whatever? Does that sound right to you? Yeah, it does. It, it would mean that either you haven't given yourself permission to feel and express that anger. It hasn't been seen. It hasn't been heard. It hasn't been understood first by the individual, but then by somebody who cares. Mm -hmm. So um, let me see if I can make a hypothesis about that and you can tell me how close I'm getting to being right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, you, if you're like a normal person, you probably think of intense feelings as being contested at every point. In other words, the Too fact much. that I'm, huh? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Too much. Too much. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, uh, it's just it's not me just like reacting to my life in, in an angry or sad way or whatever. It's the fact that it's wrong to feel that, or it's stupid, or mm-hmm. um, I'm going to come into your space and force you to back down because you're mad and I'm mad that you're mad or something like that. Am I headed the right way? Say that again. Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I'm just talking about um, uh, contesting feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times people fight about feelings. If someone gets mad, the other person feels that they are being unjustly treated by another person's anger, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. 
so that no one or very rarely do people just notice and accept another person's feelings like I know you're, you're really, really mad angry about right this, now. Like, I get mm-hmm. it or anything like that it's mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of polite ways to say angry words well you don't have a right to be angry about that exactly yes I'm so, making okay. that judgment about you. You don't have a right. Right. So there's all these thoughts about the feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Shame. There's shame about being angry or there's uh, um, a feeling like threatened, like I'm going to protect this because nobody else will mm-hmm. understand it. Or the minute I show my feelings, I'm going to be attacked. So I'm continuously in a um, defensive position, right? It's me against the world at all times and there's no real rest. Yeah, or internally, I'm just shoving everything down. Right. So I'm not even letting myself be aware or think about it. Exactly. And I think that's really where a lot of men lie. Okay. So, Uh, okay, circle back around, if you will. Did I cut you off? Did you have more to say? mm -hmm. So um, uh, conversion. How does this Mm -hmm. relate to conversion? Mm. Therapy doesn't work so many times because there's no real conversion involved. Mm-hmm. So what does real conversion involve? Mm-hmm. Is the question. Yes, is the issue. Because when we only address a symptom, we'll see some change. Mm-hmm. And it may have a helpful effect. But in order to see real substantive change and real um, real constructive direction, there has to it has to come from a place. Come from a place. Tell me more about that. Another place within us. Mm-hmm. So you know, yes, we can have a cognitive ascent. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm thinking you know, I'm thinking um, that everything I do is crap all the time, and obviously that's not true. Mm-hmm. So I need to change the way that I think. Right. Right? And speak more kindly to myself. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but if I still believe that I'm worthless, mm-hmm. then what's my motivation to change? We will be right back to the Uncounseling Show with Dr. Fred Boley on the Four Persons Network. The Four Persons Inc. is a licensed 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. No use of our content is allowed, by law, without our permission. Our goal is to bring you the very best Catholic content possible, including great hosts like Fred. Going forward, we will continue to bring you the best apologists, educational programming, devotionals, and live charitable and social outreach and activism. However, we cannot continue to bring this great programming without your help. All of our members are volunteering their time and efforts, but the hosting, programs, licensing, and subscriptions needed to keep this going costs money. Right now, our credit card platform is not yet operational, but you can still send your tax-deductible gift to the Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. That donation address again is the Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. 
If you are interested in advertising on our shows or have any questions or comments of any kind, email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. Here is the latest podcast schedule here on The Four Persons. You'll want to write this down so you can keep up with our shows. On Monday at 7 will be the new night of The Tangled Knot with Deb Rojas. Tuesday will be a flex schedule. Some weeks we'll have shows on Tuesday, some weeks we will not. On Wednesday, that will be the new night of Uncounseling with Dr. Fred Boley. Again, that's on Wednesday at 7, Eastern Time, Uncounseling with Fred Bowley. Thursday will be the second flex scheduled date of our week. On Friday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, it is the Catholic Ken Apologetics Show with Ken Litchfield. Then at 7 p.m., the Luke Haskell Show. On Saturday... At noon Eastern, it is the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth. On Saturday evening at 7 p.m., it will be the Taking It to the Streets Show with Terry Delp. And on Sunday at 5 p.m., it is Catholicism Rock. That is our regular schedule, and as things change, we will notify you here at The Four Persons. So you're talking about the situation that I like glanced at a minute ago, I think, which was you can talk about the the talking to yourself level, right? Just the mm-hmm. very top level of conscious mm-hmm. talking to yourself. But if you don't address the deeper held beliefs, or what else would you call those if the negative things that are unconscious or or deeper within ourselves. Well, I like how Bob Schutz calls them identity lies. Identity lies. What does that mean? Can you tell me more about it? Um, yes. An identity lie is something that we believe our, about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's fundamentally false. Right. But we believe that it's true and we treat ourselves as if it were true, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so one of the, one of the most obvious ones is I am unlovable. Right. Yeah. You know, um, how many people walk around with this 
belief. Mm-hmm. I am fundamentally unlovable. Which Most is just don't. Yeah. Go Most people may not be cognizant of that, right? Mm-hmm. But they operate from that. Right. That's exactly what I was about to say in uh, totally different words. People don't say it out loud inside their heads, but they believe it down deep, right? Mm-hmm. I am unlovable. Right. So, so if you... Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, like, what are the mm-hmm. symptoms? What is the outward sign that that is an inward belief? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of it has to do with self-talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you think of negative self-talk. You know, what are some of the things that you encounter with your clients that's negative self-talk? Um, why should I try? It's not worth it anyway. Or um, I think also there's the flip side of that, which is I have to be, like, super cheerful, super funny. I have to be on all the time. Perfect. I have to be very mm-hmm. helpful or perfect, yes. Mm-hmm. Or people will reject me. If they mm-hmm. see the real me that's underneath all this frantic effort and activity, then they will immediately reject me and I will mm-hmm. be alone and unloved. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and then also with the way um, they allow others to treat them, the behavior they have. The relationship choices, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you can't understand yourself, like, why do I always choose these bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe underneath there, there's that identity lie. Could you call it a wound? Would that be fair, or is that something different? It is something different. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Gabor Mate in The Myth of Normal, one of his more recent books, mm-hmm. um, he talks about the origin of the word trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrible with remembering <laughs> words and names and things. So I can't give you the, I can't give you the, uh, I believe it's the Greek root, but it means mm-hmm. wound. It actually means wound. Cool. And so the, the wound is what happens first. That's the trauma. Where we are violated, hurt, scared. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you and I have often talked, we often get stuck at that point. Mm-hmm. We get stuck emotionally. We get stuck mentally. Like our development literally comes to a halt at that part of ourselves. Yes, precisely. And um, and as a result, we get very protective mm-hmm. of, of that vulnerability, of the hurt, the, that vulnerable place within our hearts. We're never going to risk that again because it was so painful. Exactly. Exactly. Terrible disappointment or terrible frightening mm-hmm. events or living situation or... Right. Exactly. So how do people um, protect themselves? What does that look like? That, like you Say just that said. Again, that I vow. Wobble. Uh, oh, a vow. Oh, a vow, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vow. Like, I, I'm not going to let that happen again. But along with those vows are also the identity lies. Like, because this happened, I must be, et cetera. And those lies are connected to the wound. Mm-hmm. And in order to really 
find ultimate healing, we have to discover the source of the wound. Very much like a doctor looking for cancer cells. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you look at skin cancer and think, oh, it's just a, you know, just a, a, a scratch or we'll just put a Band-Aid and Neosporin on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it'll be fine in a few days. And then, you know, it's not fine. And it goes down and, you know, Eventually when you think perspective or an infection, you know, how an infection can just eat away limbs. You know, it's this is it's very much like an internal infection. Mm-hmm. That um, in order to to really have the healing salve of love, and I love how Gabor Mate he just hits the nail on the head. Love is really ultimately what heals the wounds mm. of trauma. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that too. What is conversion? We were saying before. Mm-hmm. The everyday meaning of the word is to change your religion, and so I'm going to change your uh, registration from uh, Jehovah's Witness to Seventh Day Adventist, from Seventh Day mm-hmm. Adventist to Buddhist, or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm going to change uh, your your denarii to American dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about something much broader and much more Catholic with a small c, right? It's mm-hmm. universal. And so I think one of the great gifts of the Catholic Church is the breadth of the vision, right? So that even someone who is uh, living in the, the rainforest and doesn't even know that there's such a thing called Christianity or Jesus or the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. God can be able to their life and bringing them slowly or sometimes quickly to him, right? Mm-hmm. To turn to him. Mm-hmm. So when you think about love, um, we talk about the transcendentals, right, that really equal each other ultimately. So goodness, Mm -hmm. truth, and beauty are the ones that are usually listed. Mm -hmm. But Father Spitzer also mentions home. You know, he calls it home. But I think Mm -hmm. if you think about your place, right, if you have a Mm -hmm. place, what do you have? What you have is someone who values you for yourself. Mm-hmm. You have acceptance. You have acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, ultimately is really love. Mm-hmm. That's right too. Right. Yeah, you know, going back to the IFS question, you know, like so much of um, of therapy from an IFS perspective is getting to know oneself in the context of different parts of who we are. What is and IFS again? Internal family systems. Okay, yeah, good so all um, parts of ourselves, how they relate to each other. Tell me more about that again now. Well, if you think of if you think of a family, you know, it, it originated with family systems, you know, with <laughs> actual, you know, looking at a family with a two-year-old and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a teen and a, you know, mom and dad who are having marital issues and looking at how every, all of the different internal relationships. And um, as as this developed as far as internal, recognizing that within ourselves, the parts that are stuck at five years old, mm-hmm. or we have parts that are stuck at a place developmentally in friendship from middle school. So if we boil that down to a real basic level that I can understand, Deb, mm-hmm. in other words, when you think about certain things, you think about them as a five-year-old, or you have certain beliefs, right, that are probably... Reality react, yeah, automatically mm-hmm. because it's coming from uh, an unexpressed or a part of yourself, a uh, <clears throat> part of your belief that um, 
you are not easily able to access. Yeah, part of yourself that you're not easily able to access. Yes, you were right the first time. <laughs> uh, so it's it's really fascinating because all of these parts are really us, right? right? It's not like they're each like a unique individual. Like it's not like I have a hundred me's like floating around in me. <laughs> right. But I think that's important to to you know to note that. But they are are they are all aspects of our personality. Yeah. So every psychological theory really is a metaphor, right? We're mm-hmm. thinking metaphorically, exactly. whether it's cognitive, behavioral, or mm-hmm. internal family systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all part of yourself. But anyway, yeah. go go on with that thought. So, so the the beauty of this as a as a way of understanding the human person is that we are fundamentally made for love, mm-hmm. by love himself. And even within ourselves, we operate internally, and we mm-hmm. treat ourselves a particular way. And as we were talking earlier, like often if a belief is I am unlovable, we treat ourselves as if we're unlovable. Mm-hmm. Or we treat certain parts of ourselves. Like I hate the part of me that's um, a slave driver and critical. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm really afraid of the part that gets really angry and blows up. What do I do with that? I just want to shove it down all the time. There's um, no point in working really hard to gain sobriety because I hate myself anyway. I'm not lovable. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the only way I can actually feel anything is to act out through addiction. Mm-hmm. Because all of me is numb and has been for so long. You know? Right. And so there are parts that will, like, do something to act out to feel something because everything else has been shut down for so long. Mm-hmm. So understanding who we are intrinsically is really important mm-hmm. because when we are acting as ourselves, who we are made in the image of God, truly embodying the goodness and the grace of that. Mm-hmm. We are able to care for ourselves well, and we're also able to love more freely. That seems, that seems certainly true to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe so. I think a lot of people feel like the only thing they can hope for is to reduce pain. It's a very mm-hmm. negative way to look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the, the the pain that they have suffered in the past, you know, they don't have a whole lot of hope that things could be really good. But in fact, mm-hmm. things can be really good for anybody on earth, seriously. But it does take hard work. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as happiness that you fall into backwards. Right. Happiness is climbing well. You know, you're going to be going uphill all the time, but you can do it well. And if you do it well, then that really is the the foothills of heaven. You know, you've begun to really get a glimpse of goodness, truth, beauty, mm-hmm. and hope. And that that is true happiness. True happiness. Mhm. Not momentary feeling of well-being. Mhm. Whatever. Mhm. Or escape from pain. Escape from pain, yeah. So how do you help your clients convert? How do you help them turn always, ever, more closely or more directly towards God, towards goodness, truth, beauty, and home? So, I mean, this is like, it just sounds so basic. Mm -hmm. 
But the reality is that it fundamentally comes down to helping a client become aware that every single part of them is lovable. Like you were saying about home. Like, what is the beauty of home? Is that it's a place where I know I'm unconditionally accepted. Mm-hmm. And I'm safe. Right. And so um, I have found that sometimes as the therapist, that I have to be the one who lets them know what it's like to feel like there's no part of me that's unlovable. Mm-hmm. And so how do you do that, though, Deb? Because there, are, it seems like there are parts of, of me that are definitely um, unlovely, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. How do you show a client? In a recent article published in the secular press, a journalist tried to characterize Our Lady's Rosary as a symbol of radical extremism. Not coincidentally, the smear piece was released on August 15th, the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption. As Catholics, we should be aware that the Rosary is, in fact, radical and extreme in a way very different from that intended by its critics and enemies. The word radical comes from the Latin word radix, meaning root, and it is in this sense that the rosary is very radical, for it brings us to the very root of our Catholic faith, which is the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For some of the finest hand-crafted rosaries you will find anywhere, please visit our friends at JMJ Catholic Shop. JMJ Catholic Shop is a family-owned business out of Detroit, Michigan. They pray the rosary together and they are inspired to change the world by the power of this devotion and provide beauty and faith. They allow customized, personalized, and bulk orders. Please visit them at etsy.com slash shop slash JMJ Catholic Shop or find them on Facebook by searching JMJ Catholic Shop. Make sure you mention that you heard this ad on the Four Persons Podcast. Top Gun Top Gun of Virginia has been serving the East Coast with quality swimming pool shot creek and gunite applications for over 35 years. The strong legacy of craftsmanship that Top Gun has garnered is backed by the pride we take in creating a lasting product. Top Gun will help you stay on schedule and within budget, while still maintaining the level of quality control and safety that is expected from a name with 35 years of experience. Top Gun Top Gun of Virginia is a premier supplier of commercial Shot Creek and Gunite services on the East Coast. Shotcrete and gunite are forms of pneumatically applied concrete which can be used to build or repair structures. Shotcrete and gunite can perform jobs which are not possible or are more difficult with traditional, form and pour, concrete applications. Top Gun uses our own volumetric trucks to apply engineer-certified mixes of both wet and dry process applications to meet any need. Top Gun Top Gun is located at 10017, Richmond Highway, Lorton, Virginia, 22079. You can reach them at 703-550-9207 or email them at info at topgungunite.com. Make sure you mention that you heard this ad on the 4 Persons Podcast.
The Four Persons Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. All legal rights reserved. Any unauthorized use of our content is prohibited by law. To make your tax-deductible donation, please send your check or money order to The Four Persons Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. For any comments or questions, email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. for a Catholic counselor? Dr. Peter Claponis, Deb Rojas, and the team at Integrity Counseling Services provide faithful Catholic counseling in Pennsylvania and beyond. We offer telehealth and in-person counseling for porn addiction, betrayal trauma, anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, and much more. You can find us at IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. That's IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. Looking for a Catholic counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. She is a Catholic recording artist, multi-award winning songwriter. She sings contemporary and folk rock music. She has been in the music industry for over five years. Her music is her ministry. She aims to help people that suffer from all kinds of pain in life and try to bring them to the Lord through her music. She has three albums out and her music is being played on radio stations all over the world. Her website is lisamarinacole.com and she is on social media. Her music page is facebook.com Lisa Songs of Worship. YouTube at Lisa M. Nicole. Instagram Lisa underscore Marie underscore Nicole underscore official. Her songs can be purchased on her website, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and everywhere else. Her merchandise store has everything for her ministry and can be accessed through her website. Her new CDs will be available very soon and can be purchased through her website. She counts herself blessed that God has chosen her to help spread his message. She is Lisa Marie Nicole. Get her music today. Because honestly, there are times when, uh, as a human being, even sitting in the counseling room, mm -hmm. uh, I feel intense annoyance or boredom or uh, mm -hmm. uh, wanting to turn away from this person. So mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how do you help a person know that every part of them, every aspect of them is lovable? Uh, well, you know, being human, I don't do it perfectly by any means. 
sure. Um, to be able to, it, it takes time. It, it, IFS is not a, I don't think it's as like a quick of a process as, as CBT. Mm-hmm. Because it's relationship building. Right. It's relationship building first within oneself, but also like within the therapist and the client. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would point out that that is another common myth about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and that I am sure that you, there, I know there are. You can go online and you can find uh, AI, or mm-hmm. I mean, AI does not exist in real life, honestly. But you can mm-hmm. find programs online right. that will react to you, and and uh, you can say things or type things in, and it will respond things. Mm-hmm. Cognitive behavioral, and some people actually get good out of that. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But if you think about all the self-help books, I would say it must be 60% of them, probably more, but I'm trying to be conservative. <laughs> At least 60% of them are some kind of cognitive, right? Just from some point of cognitive uh, uh, theory. Um, but how many of them work? Very, very little, you know. I'm not against mm-hmm. self-help, but the truth mm-hmm. is, that if I explain precisely and with great care and good illustrations and clearly how uh, I do what I do in therapy and I put it in a book, it will not do hardly anyone any good because most people won't finish the book. Mm-hmm. But also most people are find it difficult to have that kind of insight and discipline to really get down to the nitty-gritty with themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not think, just the idea that the relationship. Sorry, go ahead. So it, you bring two things to mind. One is the statistic, and I forget what the percentage is, but it's incredibly high, that the approach and the method in therapy are, I want to say it's like 80% the therapeutic relationship or something right. like Some to factors. that. You know, when it comes down to it, whether it's like CBT, IFS, um, EMDR, you know, like what whatever you're doing, um there the the most important thing is that relationship bond in therapy exactly. and in thinking about why that is it's because pain needs a witness hmm. <laughs> it needs to be observed oh okay pain so i and noticed that you are seeing that i am in pain and what does that do for me to realize that you see? What do you mean by see? Do you mean more than just notice? Oh, hey, look. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, look, somebody's looking through binoculars. Oh, yeah, this is my guy. He just broke his leg. No. <laughs> no, it's not just like, it's not just seeing, like ocular seeing. All right. Okay. It, it's much it's much more personal. Huh. It's, it's sharing. You okay there? I'm fine. <laughs> Free pens. Okay, excellent. Um, yeah, it's sharing the pain. So the 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 hidden thought there, the belief, um, is I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And when but you're reading not- a book. Yes. Go on. What are you, you know, like, just think about it. When you're reading a book, you're by yourself. Right. You know, when you're listening to a podcast, 
you're still by yourself, even mm-hmm. though you have the self-employed, you know? That's not true, folks. We are with you. Oh, except for us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some. Let me take this opportunity to say, if you have questions or comments, if you would like to try counseling or ask questions about counseling process or anything in between, please call Deb at 610-601-9781. That's Integrity integrity Restored. Um, exactly. Integrity Counseling Services now. That's what I said. Integrity Counseling Services. They changed it, huh? I like it. And it is a fantastic group of people of whom uh, Deb is a good example of being really kind, caring, and competent as a Christian Catholic counselor. Nice alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to talk to me, please feel free to get in touch at stbarn at protonmail.com. So that's S-T-B-A-R-N, St. Barn, at protonmail.com. Now then, we were talking about uh, being seen. So in therapy, you have someone who uh, recognizes all your negative experiences or negative emotions, but without any demands upon you, without any judgment, just the fact that you are a human being, lovable and and Mm -hmm. suffering. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, without judgment, exactly. Judgment, yeah. Without judgment. Because when you think about acceptance, acceptance and judgment are polar opposites. Mm-hmm. You know? So to be able to not just be impartial, neutral, but actually accept the person. So you just accept whatever the person wants to do as being okay for them. It's their truth. Is that what you're saying, Deb? Did I say that, Fred? <laughs> I don't know. Some people might have heard that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's it's true. But, you know, when you think about, let's, let, let's look at a two-year-old, right? A two-year-old who um, really needs a nap, mm-hmm. right? Um, throws and himself on the floor and is like kicking and screaming and I don't want to go to bed, I don't want to go to bed. You know, in that moment of rebellion mm-hmm. and reaction, does the parent say, I hate your guts? You know, you're acting right. like a two-year-old, therefore I want nothing to do with you. Right, incredibly harsh and, and rejecting. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um does the parent say, oh, you want to kick and scream? Kick and scream some more. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, not usually. Not no, usually. Like, but there's an, there's an, uh, there's a, you know, a wise parent might allow the child to do that for a few minutes, like a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But then, but then try to, try to meet them. Okay. It's time you know, just meet them gently, meet them, you know, non-judgmentally, not harshly. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, with a lot of patience. What was that? So, what was that slogan? People won't care what you think until they think that you care, or something like that. Have I got yeah, that until right? Until they know that you care. Until you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mhm. 
I think that's true of a lot of parenting too. You you, mm-hmm. you have to have the kid on your team. Mm-hmm. You have to form an alliance, or all the disciplinary mm-hmm. tricks and tips we can tell you will not work. Mhm. So you know, working with a with clients with addiction, you know, they have certain parts of that act out impulsively and that are convinced that the only way they're going to find comfort is through acting out. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to say, oh, continue doing that. That's wonderful. Right. But to be able to love and care for the part that feels like it needs to do that in order to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And teach the client how to engage with themselves in a healthy way as well. So when counseling doesn't work, it excuses bad behavior. Right? It mm-hmm. gives permission to people to do things that will lead them to be actually more unhappy rather than mm-hmm. happy. And mm-hmm. counseling is good, you're not necessarily confronting people right away about any sort of mistakes they're making or bad behavior or whatever. But you're forming an alliance with them so they really know, they have the confidence that they're not alone and mm-hmm. that they can do things that are difficult and anxiety-provoking, which mm-hmm. is what change always is, right? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes also, um, if you listen to what people say about their therapy, um, I'm trying to be polite about this, but you should almost always take it with a grain of salt. We really don't know all that goes on in someone else's therapy, and we never will. But it could well be that their, <laughs> their therapist is... Um, is being very kind to them and patient and not confronting them on the things they do that drive you crazy out in the real world. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the therapist is, is telling Absolutely. them, it's quite all right, do whatever mm-hmm. you want. Exactly. Sometimes people will use therapy as an excuse. There's no doubt about it. Right? They will use that as cover to do what they really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Just the therapist is kind and accepting them of feelings, of, but if not behaviors. However, really effective therapy, really good counseling, always requires conversion. It always requires the person as our ultimate aim. It might be super slow, but we want them to turn at the very most basic part of their being towards God because there is no other way to be happy. If we do anything Mm -hmm. else than that, then we're not helping the client. In fact, we're hindering. Right, and so ultimately it's not just the mind. It's not just the actions, it's really the heart. Yes. What is the heart? Can you put that down into everyday plain language? No, because you have this Aquinas understanding and (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get it wrong. You were just about to to be lovingly corrected. (laughs) Uh, Go for it, Fred. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) From my point of view, which might not be okay, it's not going to be completely accurate. But my understanding at this point in my uh, development as a person and a counselor is that the heart is uh, what might also be called the intellectual appetite, what we really long for. In other words, what it is Mm -hmm. that ultimately organizes all of our behaviors because all of our behaviors are prioritized and organized to help us reach that one ultimate goal, which we call true happiness, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the things that you think are really important or the things that you really love, that's what your heart is, like the things that you're, what you're mm-hmm. really are going after. That- and so it's really also then what drives the will. Mm-hmm. 
So we can try that, like, if we just go for the will and don't go for the heart, then we're not really going to get that full substantive lasting change. It's not just decisions people make. It's what really drives the decision. Mm -hmm. That that makes good sense to me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? So much more effective. It really is. Yes, if you just try to force people into the right decisions or uh, give them a set of contingencies or something, yes, I think you were saying this earlier, that you might get temporary or surface change, but mm-hmm. you know, that real change is... You get, you get symptomatic change, mm-hmm. right? You get symptomatic change, but not necessarily the real, the real deal. Right. You know? And symptomatic change typically, if the, if the source doesn't change, goes back to what it originally was. Right. So symptom substitution in the traditional language. Mm-hmm. We get rid of the arachnophobia, but now suddenly we have a social phobia or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So guess what, folks? That's the news. <laughs> We've reached the end of another uncounseling show, which might not be useful or entertaining to anyone else, but I enjoy the heck out of it. So thank you for being here, Deb. Thank you for your your interesting conversation and help. Remember, people, this is a co-production of the four-person's blog and St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, dedicated to providing faithful Catholic counseling. Um, There are lots of other shows on the four-person's blog and podcast. Every evening, there's something really good on, so check them out. Mm-hmm. And if you like a hold of Deb, make an appointment. Please do. You can reach her at this telephone number. <laughs> 610-601-9781. And I hope to hear from you. And if you want to know more about St. Barnabas, please go to our website, stbarn.org, S-T-B-A-R-N.org. Or email us at stbarn at protonmail.com. Thank you very much for being here, St. Barnabas. Pray for us. And Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this opportunity to try and serve others uh, with our counseling skills. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you all next time. Bye, Deb. Blessings, guys. Take care. The Four Persons Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. Any unauthorized use of this content without the permission of the Four Persons Inc. and our hosts is prohibited and subject to legal action. Thank you.